This is episode 252 of the Gold Squadron Podcast. I'm your host, Dion Morales, and today I'm joined by Marcel, the rabbit wins the race, Manzano. Beep, beep. Wait, no, that that's the other one. That's a roadrunner. Is that what you... <laughs> I guess the roadrunner would win the race even better. <laughs> Will, if his ship is as fast as his boasting, we ought to do well. Hegwood. Oh, and you, we got a lot of boasting around here. <laughs> and Ryan, three months already, Stanazuski. That's right. Ollie's already a quarter of a year old uh, and five extra days. It's the second of every month. So uh, we had him in a uh, St. Patrick's Day little onesie. We took our three-month picture as per later this month for St. Patrick's Day. My wife looks, loves being both holiday and enjoys taking pictures of Ollie. I mean that that that's a that's a given. Yep. <laughs> All righty, everybody. Well, as for announcements and news this Wednesday, I know that we haven't focused on it, but the Jank Tank Open Two has still been going on. All right, it's been in the background, and we have the final coming up this Wednesday. Will uh, it's going to be live? It's going to be on on Wednesday Night Flight Club. G- give us the deets, win. And, and all the stuff. Uh, well, actually, I might as well I'll give that honor to Marcel. But when are you what? playing, Marcel? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's... Uh, this isn't, this myself, isn't a way and... for us to double-check to make sure you know the schedule, uh, for sure. This is just... <laughs> like, I'm playing Tuesday. You, you know, actually, so so here's here's my theory. Uh, and Dion planned it all along, okay? So Dion I know, gave I know me a good exactly list. Where, I know where he's, yeah, exactly where he's going with. Dion gave me a good list. He gave me Cornhorn and Janors. And then he's like, all right, if anybody else makes it, you know, Marcel's got a good list. So that I can make the final and he can schedule it on league night at 9 p.m. on Wednesday. So I have to be at home in my computer instead of in the store kicking his uh, pickle-loving booty <laughs> like he's he's been running from me he's been listen, running from me listen it, it, it all happenstance i haven't been taking four weeks dodging you in order to get some reps so i actually have a chance when we play totally haven't been doing that but anyway jank so tank wednesday two night, happening wednesday right? p.m yeah wednesday night 9 p.m it's uh me and uh paulson from paul Minnesota. Olsen versus Marcel Manzano. Those are two Titans. Those are two Titans playing some jank tank. Um, and and uh, it is – just remember, we're still playing with all the old rules. All the all the old rules. So um, just be, be mindful when you guys tune in on, on – um, on Wednesday, again, twitch.tv slash gold squadron podcast. Um, if, if you're tuning in, it's going to be 2.0 or 2.0. Two, 2.25 rules, uh, not not scenario play. Uh, so go ahead, make sure you tune in there. Also, as you know, in the next couple weeks, we have Adepticon. We have the X-Wing World Open hosted by Gold Squadron. Oh, man, I'm super excited. It's still technically not too late to sign up, guys. If, uh, if you want to sign up, go to our Discord. I put a link there to a document that basically tells you everything you got to do. Uh, last time I checked, we had 180 tickets sold. There's about five people who... Uh, 
um, who hit me up and being like, Dion, I didn't get to sign up. What? So that's about 185-ish people who are going to be there out of 224 spots. So uh, don't snooze. Otherwise, you will lose. But we can get you in. We can get you in. Make sure that, uh, that you get your tickets if you're planning on attending. And just a reminder that for X-Wing players at the event, we will be wearing a mask just during gameplay uh, because of the... Um, just keeping the expectations that were set forth when uh, 150 people bought their first tickets, which wanted to keep that consistent for X-Wing. So that is the plan there. Um, let's go ahead and, uh, and jump into our main topic for today. So today what I want to do is I want to just break down all four scenarios. The plan is to take this episode of our podcast and uh, the video from it and chop it into four separate videos that we can upload on our YouTube channel so that everybody can go ahead and just if you want to review a scenario, you'll be here with us and we're just going to we're going to go through the rules for each one first. And then after we, we break down the rules for one, we can talk about strategy, uh, different things that we've experienced with them, uh, and give, give more opinion-based stuff. We're going to start with the facts, then opinion for each of them. There are four total scenarios, and um, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and jump into it. Gentlemen, any questions before we, uh, we do this? Can I get promoted? <laughs> uh, maybe. Yes. I don't know how. I don't know how everybody else got colors without promotions. You you, you don't pick, you don't need a you promotion just your name for a, take color. You know, it's yeah, true. about two thousand hours of tabletop simulator. Can I get promoted uh, too? Sure, sure. We'll just promote everybody. You can Everyone's pick a promoted. color without You're giving being promoted. promotion to the person who already moved one of your range rulers. Good call. The, this is true. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> chaos. Chaos ensues. All right, fam. Well, here we go. We're going to be starting out. Uh, well, let me let me go ahead and start with the intro for the video slash podcast section. Here we go. So today what we're going to be doing is breaking down our four scenarios. Our first scenario we're going to be talking about is assault on the satellite array. Now, before we actually do that, I want to start by going over what are the things that apply to all of the scenarios because all of them have a couple of things that are all the same number one for every single one of them you're gonna have to find the center of the board for all of them right now we have some pre-saved versions of each of the the setups um right here and in the documentation you'll actually see them refer to range four and a half rulers so what you do you take your range three ruler and if you have a one and a half you can go ahead and put it on the edge if you don't not a big deal take your range two, put it halfway down a, a range and you got four and a half but essentially what you're doing is just trying to find as close to the middle of the board as possible you got to do that for all the scenarios for the first objective token second scoring for each of them goes up to 20 uh first person to 20 at the end of a turn wins whoever has the most number of points at the end of that turn wins so for instance if you score 20 first and your opponent you know blows away all your ships and they get 27 they are the winner of the game so some people have been confused with like oh it's a race to 20 kind of just the when 20 happens it's the end of the game whoever has the most number of points at the end is going to end up winning and then if you're playing these at events particularly we're going to talk about adapticon uh, each scenario will be used at least once before any of them are repeated and uh, of course you're using the same list in each of the scenarios when you're playing them at an event 
All right, let's jump into it. Assault on the Satellite Array. Will, how did... How wait, does... wait, wait, just on the rules section, um, just just to be crystal clear. Yes. When you when somebody hits 20 and you play till the end of the round, mm -hmm. it's you play till the the end of the end round. So make sure that you, you still count all your objective points. It's not just what you killed. Yeah. So make sure that um, you, you're still capturing your... Your objectives you're still counting keeping track and counting the objectives because um that might shift stuff around if you're only counting like what was killed by the time that the time runs out or you roll your last dice yep yep exactly completely finish that turn and then uh, score it up whoever has the most points wins so we're going to jump into assault on the satellite array will let's i'm gonna i'm gonna start with you um we can you tell me about setup for this one Okay, well, first off, uh, this one includes five satellites. Uh, this mission uh, will have one of the centers you mentioned, and then I'm going to place one by my board edge. Uh, you're going to place one by your board edge. I'm going to place one by your board edge. And then finally, you'll place one by mine, which will make all five as we rotate in there. Now, as far as specifics here, you can take a look at the what Dion's already got set up. He is uh, showing range three of the center satellite. That's where all of your obstacles are going to need to be placed at range three and beyond range two of each other satellite. So uh, it will be specifically this portion of the range ruler there. Uh, it makes almost a full circle. Uh, then, as I said, I'm going to place one onto my side, uh, but the one on my side it does need to be placed within range two to four of the board edge. So I'll get a visual representation of that. So it would be, have to be placed somewhere uh, within here. Actually, I'll show it the, an easier way. Uh, little known fact, if it's range 1.1, that's range two. So it's really just where this range ruler is. That range two to three. Or sorry, two to four uh, is what I was showing there. Uh, and then, like I said, you just go back and forth, placing the obstacles uh, first on your own side and then your opponents until all five are placed. Snipe it with Alt, Dion, and you can show it to the screen. Or wait, maybe maybe not on your computer. Never mind. Are you are you muted, Dion? Am I talking yes. to nothing? Sure, she was talking to nobody. Um, <laughs> so, so you were saying about the legal places for mm -hmm. obstacles. Yes. So uh, can you 
let's go let's go ahead and show uh, a setup round of this uh marcel you want to partner up with will kind of go back and forth here so will if you were the first player we got the first one placed um yep. this is this is me i'm red i'm first player yep can uh, you so mm -hmm. go go ahead and, and and go through a setup here so uh that's going to be the first obstacle must be within on my own board edge get out of here i'm already first player Neat. All right. So, so I'm going to place mine. I'll just place it right here. Looks good. So I am beyond range two of the center obstacle, and I am not at range one of my own board edge. So this this particular placement would be legal. Uh, how about you, Marcel? Where are you going to be placing yours? Okay, wait. So I, I think it, I've been doing it, it wrong the whole time. Isn't it's, it? It's wait. between range two and four, so you can't be inside this. Mm, nope. That's range yes, one point. Is. Range one point one is, is measured at range two. Hold on. What it says? It says right here. You got that wrong. Where? Let's read it together. Yes. The first satellite by each player must be placed within range two to four of their board edge. Range one point one is range two ah okay i got it very tricky so, i know but it can also be at range four so just to make sure i'm correctly i could put it all the way to here yeah oh so uh, you can put yes. it all the way up to here or and then within would... range four however does that mean it has to be inside of range four or... within range four correct so what cause... you're what you're looking at is this line right there because over here you're still at range four technically because you're still right but in that wording it's within okay so i have been doing that wrong the whole time because i did a lot I, of people I've always, have i've been putting it here mm. I've, I've been saying it's between between ranges two and four so i've been giving myself or myself and my opponents this less choices range here Less choices. There you go. So with that new information, I'm still going to put mine right here. With this new information, where would you put your obstacle then? Okay. So, so another way that they could have worded that is outside of range one. And inside of range four. Yes. Right? Both of those would be true statements. Okay. Um, so you put it in the center there? Yes. So now you'll place one within range two or beyond range two at range three of the center obstacle and beyond range one of your own board edge. I will put it here. Right there. So, yeah, that's at range three at the end of the ruler there and within range two from your own board edge. Easy. Uh, so now I will be placing one of mine on your own board edge. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, now this has to be within range four. So I'm gonna just take a look at range four here. It's about and, there on our and, little range ruler. And for anybody uh -huh. who's just, just, just a quick clarification, we got one, two, three, and then there's another range three ruler here. He's marking off that fourth one right there. 
Uh, yes, yes, yes. I don't have a range four ruler, but exactly. I'm counting from this way. One, two, three, mm-hmm. four. So within range four and beyond range two of the center obstacle and any other obstacle. All right, locking it in, Marcel. Where are you putting your last one? Okay. Just let me do one thing real quick. And let's do here. Here. And uh, there we go. Yeah, so, so I'm going to cheat. I'm going to put that ship in the center. Assign it a dial. Okay, I'm, I'm interested where this is going. Place that, and then you can do range two. So now you know you can't be inside that bubble, or you moved it. So isn't there a I spawn mean, range two bubble here? Well, no, it doesn't give you a bubble. It just oh. gives you like. Let's let's also keep in mind that people do have to do this on a physical board. Yeah, we are on referencing a physical, a board. physical board here, right. so. Okay. This is a, but that's a good ruler. That's a good tip. Uh, I know in uh, some of the latest mods, uh, we'll even show you lines. Uh, we'll make a line where you, with, just like how obstacles are, uh, where you can and cannot place an obstacle. So, here you go. I'm gonna go here. Perfect. Beyond range two and within range four of my board edge. Uh, I'm going to go put it at at range three. There you go. That counts. We ended up doing quite a spread out obstacles, really maximizing the range bands we could utilize. So what I want to do here is just for, for everybody, now that we can go ahead and get rid of get rid of these rulers, um, is is just, again, go because there's so much confusion on, on the placement, because it, it likely due to quick reading, right? So you place this one first, Will. It's, I did. The, the rule is that it has to be within range two to four of your board edge, right? Correct. And outside of range two of the the center objective, is that correct? Correct. Okay. Up to range three, though, you can't yes. go to the very edge of the board. All right. So we have just just kind of for a quick reference, right yep. there. That that's the first the initial that's, obstacle placement. In in real life, that's that's the uh, that's the only ones I use is the range two and the range one. Okay. Uh, and then or, Mars two range twos if you're fortunate enough to have them to make that range four then we have here for marcel second obstacle he chose here just barely just barely within range three from the center uh objective and then oh i need to grab the range one and then within range one to two of the, excuse me within range two to four of essentially outside of range one of his own side mm-hmm. third third one was here which now you will the first player went ahead and said now i have to be outside of range four from the board edge here 
within range four. Right. Within range four here. And, and then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the range three. Beyond range two, at range three. Mm -hmm. uh, Marcel played this one, placed this one. Mm -hmm. Okay, and yeah, that was same rules as, as your second one. It was within two to four of your board edge and... And he went at the very edge of range three right there because he can be within two to two to three. All right. You keep saying within, Dion. Well, I want to stress this. At, that. at, at, at range yeah. three. At and then within. Yes. Excuse yes. At, at. <laughs> at range two to three. There it is. Sorry about that. Again, this is the explanation. The explanations of these. Um, the those those words they definitely matter so um here we go so the, here is a a single possibility of assault on the satellite array and you know this is this is super new to everybody uh, and i know one of the things I, I i've seen a couple of them out there um and uh, uh, a couple of different diagrams. And, and I would like to make a diagram essentially of all the possibilities on where you can place them. I think that is a good, uh, would be a nice visual representation for uh, for everybody. And then once all of the objectives are placed, and I'm sorry, we, have, we did say uh, obstacles a couple times. Once all the objectives are placed, then we go on to the obstacles. Now, how do the obstacles interact with the objectives? Uh, very little, uh, actually. The only requirement is that obstacles cannot be placed overlapping a objective. So they could be touching. They could be very, very close. Uh, but they cannot be overlapping. So no, normal, normal rules uh, that we've that we're used to, right? Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. We have that range range two box all around the entire board. So uh, you can put it very close to the objective. They just cannot physically overlap. Okay. There you go. And you would, of course, place all six after that. Now, one of the let, – let's now – now that we've uh, we've talked about the actual setup, let's go ahead and toss uh, toss a few more obstacles out there just for funsies. Everybody everybody, grab an obstacle. Just, just go crazy. Go crazy. We have six. One, two, three, four. We need one more. Those quickest on the draw. There we go. Boom. Lock them down, boys. All right. So we have our, our six obstacles out there. Next, let's talk about actually like playing the scenario. Obviously, we would set up ships after the obstacles are set up, ready to go. Um, in Assault on the Satellite Array, we are able to score points by destroying ships. There are no half-point scoring in this one. Now, how do I get points from the actual objectives, Will? Okay, so scoring. At the end phase, each player earns one mission point for each satellite under their control. 
a player controls a satellite, if they have more than one, or excuse me, if they have more ships at range zero to one of the satellite than any other player. Uh, when determining control of the satellite, medium and large bases uh, each count as two ships. Uh, also, you can uh, destroy or remove a uh, ship from the game uh, and the opposing player would earn the mission points equal to the squad value of that ship. So not only do you need a ship within range one, uh, or wait, not within, a, at least one ship at range one, but in addition, you need more ships than your opponent. Right. That that that's uh that's the second the second piece. So let's go ahead and uh let's let's grab us a Luke Skywalker for uh for an example here. So end of the turn here, this Luke Skywalker is uh is within or soon no, sorry, at Jeez, Louise. Okay, I know that's at, a very at, big difference. At, at at at. Okay, at. Here we go. We'll show the extreme to show that it is at. Uh, is at range one of an objective. As long as it's not contested by somebody, this Luke Skywalker would end up earning themselves a uh, a single um, mission point. We got a, another another Luke Skywalker. Now, how does um, how does this end up working with large base ships? Because there's a, there's a couple of different rules with that. Uh, so as I, as I had said, they actually uh, count as two ships for control of the satellite. Uh, so utilizing your example here, Ray was uh, an imposing player, and now Ray is. Uh, also at range one mm -hmm. of the center objective, but because Ray is worth uh, essentially the um, uh, two ships, um, that would then be awarded to the resistance player, that objective. Okay. Now right. here's a question. Mm -hmm. Luke Skywalker right here is at range one of both of these. Is that range one of two different objectives? Mm -hmm. And Ray is similarly, magically, I'm going to move this closer, uh, at range one of two objectives. How... I see. I think I, I think I see where you're getting at here. So does each does... objective looks for ships independently? Your so ship does not look for so, an objective. The objective looks for ships. So then in this particular case, Ray would win two because it's mm -hmm. at range one of these two. And Luke loses this one, but gains that one. Exactly. So Luke gets one point. Ray gets two. If Ray's a little bit over here, then Ray gets one and Luke gets two. Mm -hmm. You have it correct. So there we go. That that would be the the scoring, in uh, in that sense right there. If you guys can see those uh, those victory counters, for each one, Ray scores two there, and Luke Skywalker one. And I like how you said that. Will each 
of the objectives in Assault on the Satellite Array looks for ships independently and is uh, is thusly scored mm-hmm. from there. And then uh, just like the play continues, uh, like normal game ends when uh, basically the following one of the following conditions happens um, at the end of the end phase somebody is at 20 points or more whoever has the most number of ships excuse me the, the most number of, of mission points that's points destroyed and those earned from the satellites uh, is the winner when 12 rounds are over because you're, you're, so you're counting that in a uh, in an event using a timer when the timer is up um, or when all ships are destroyed on one side then you go ahead and score everything up so that is uh the the bones of assault on the satellite array now i want to take a couple minutes here and talk about some some strategy now marcel i want to i want to throw this over to you um you know you talked about you know large medium based ships they are able to count as two ships but also because they are bigger they can control way more space um like are you do you think I mean, this might seem like an obvious question, but large base ships have an advantage in uh, in this scenario. This particular scenario is probably um, where they shine. Mm-hmm. Um, they they get multiple benefits, uh, but it, as we go through the other ones, it's it's um, the answer. Short answer is yes. This one scenario, they get an advantage. Uh, however, large base ships. I think the cheapest large base ship is a jump master mm-hmm. uh, coming in at five. And most of the large Ooh, bases, four points actually for Manaru. For, for Manaru only, but just well, in general, like budget, spam yeah. or something. Yeah. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. The, the jump masters are at five. Uh, Manaru is at four. All other large base ships range anywhere from six to 10. Uh, I don't think there's any above 10, but they range from six to 10. If you are looking that they count as two ships, a, what else counts as two ships? Two three-point ships. So I would probably still take two three-point ships over one six-point ship if you're going after objectives. Because with objectives, in order to take that benefit, you have to position um, you have to position the large base ship very you know very limited space where mm-hmm. two independent ships at three points apiece just 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 get more range. And you can potentially end up with four if you if you park it the way that Luke Skywalker is on this one, you know it's just so they get they get an they get a buff above other uh, scenarios, mm-hmm. but they are in my opinion not still as a well liability. As, yeah, but the medium bases on the other hand, medium bases you can still find some really good medium bases. Medium bases also count as two. Also have. Uh, wider range to how far they reach and they you can still find some really good medium bases at at, at a more reasonable cost to where like yeah i'll pay that one extra point to get a whole bunch of other stuff with it all right now uh ryan is there any any other thoughts you have about assault on the satellite array um anything at all maybe something we missed or something you want to bring up for strategy for any players so, <clears throat> speaking on sort of a, uh, a tactical level, when you're thinking about uh, what types of ships beyond just the size can also have advantages in this, um, this is a things that end up in in this zone gain points. 
sounds obvious. Yes, that's what you want to do. But you, if you have ships that move last, they can have a better chance to reposition or opt into existing into that space if they're safe, right? They have later board knowledge if everything else has moved before them on the opponent's side of the board, and they do a maneuver that maybe doesn't get them in the zone yet, but they can choose with their action via reposition such as a boost or barrel roll to say, I'm going to get into this because it's safer or leave if it's not safe, they don't they don't have they can make the choice of to go or not to go. But on the flip side, if you have some of the earlier moving ships, especially if they're medium or larger base, or even if they're small base, and there's a lot of obstacles around it, you have the capability on the lower initiatives to take up space to make sure things can't make it in there. If there's mm-hmm. a small zone where those other later initiative ships want to be able to move into there to contest that zone. You can put one, two, three, uh, whatever bodies you have available in that area to say, I'm building my little mosh area that you're not allowed in. <laughs> my a- mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I like it. You're uh you're you're setting up a it kind of reminds me of football. You're kinda of set setting up blocks, right, in order to make sure that uh, people don't don't get where they gotta go. I I like exactly. that. I like that. I had that happen uh, in a game this last week where uh, I was flying a five-ship list, and uh, I just made sure to smash as many ships into an area as possible just to make sure that I could I had that one uh and and it was it was what allowed me to lock that game was was blocking essentially and I know one of the questions that came up with all these new rules is is blocking gonna matter uh I think with when it comes to to these objectives blocking has a different type of value even though people can still do you know their red focus action uh being able to control whether or not your opponent is able to be within range for an objective is massive all right so uh that has been the assault on the satellite array let's go ahead and load up our next scenario number two on the list is chance engagement chance engagement is the closest to our uh, traditional dogfight with a little bit of a twist uh marcel go ahead tell me about setup for this one and uh and how it plays please sure setup uh, you grab this objective token and you place it right at the center. And then you place your obstacles and then you fight. The end. And how does scoring work in this one? Uh, I never played it, but uh, let me let me look at that right here. Uh, so the, the, I think it's at range two instead of one, I believe. It's the same, like you have to... Let me see. Place objectives, uh, victory, scenario rules. A scenario features scoring. At the start of the end phase, a player earns one mission point if they control the satellite. A player controls the satellite if they are the only player that has a ship at range 0 to 2 of the satellite. When a ship is reduced to half points... Okay, Uh, we'll go to the half points. So I was actually... I've never played this one, so I'm learning it now. So basically, you have to be the only ship in the center to to get it. So there, even if you have like three versus one, it, you don't get a point. So you have to be the only one in the center. 
Yep. Uh, and range zero to two, which so, is very difficult. Very difficult indeed. So, I mean, they're essentially incentivizing you to make sure that you actually play, right? Rather than, than, uh, than, uh, than what what a lot of people have talked about fortressing right staying in a corner and uh, and waiting for it it to be inconvenient for your opponent to approach you um yeah so i mean yep. it, it's pre pretty pretty basic here uh and i think the other the other scoring part is the fact that you get points when you destroy your your opponent's ships but this is currently as of march 2022 the only objective where you earn half points when you hit that half point threshold for the enemy ship mm -hmm. and you round down instead of up down so if it's a three point ship you get one point on half and then the other two when they when they're fully dead all right that's that's pretty that's pretty massive so so run rounding down you said just want to i want to i want to echo that rounding down instead of up and uh and she's got to be chasing those points and the additional thing with half point scoring is that regen no longer allows you to take those points away from your enemy so once you have hit that threshold you're no longer uh you don't get to you, you've lost the points your opponent has scored them that is it um ryan does have you had regen, that oh go ahead does regen gain more value on an odd numbered ship than an even numbered ship because of the way that uh, again if you're doing it on the five point ship mm -hmm. they'll get two for half the other three at the at the at the at the tail side so you're protecting uh essentially you're protecting 60 percent of your list versus 50 percent so or does it not matter no I, I i think you're right um i guess any ship that is odd numbered is going to help you in this specific uh, version um, scenario specifically um, but having regen does let you even if you are halved you don't give those points you don't get those points back but it is giving you a better chance to hold on to the last full cost giving to your ship I mean you're basically not only is it the points given but also just keeping your ship on the board so there's still value in that it just happens to be on an odd number ship you're giving it upgrades to stay alive longer through regen in whatever manner you choose. Okay. So just to, to correct uh, some confusion in the chat. Um, so you, you got you to make sure you read both parts of that half section. When you hit the half point threshold, it's rounded down. And when you fully destroy a ship, it's rounded up. And that gives you all of the points. So in our in our example of a three-point ship, once you've taken half points, you get one, which is half rounded down. And then once you've destroyed it, you get the rest of the points, which would be half, 1.5, rounded up, which becomes two. That gets you the rest of the points. Am I correct yeah, in that? The, the, that is correct. Yeah, the, the, the point is to make sure people don't confuse the fact that <clears throat> you're taking a full ship's cost and you get the first half and you round it down. And then someone can misinterpret the wording and say, oh, you round down again, and now you only get two out of my three. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. It's clarifying through rules that, eat, like, it sounds obvious that you would say, yeah, you just get the, the whole points instead of just, you 
know, having to say, oh, you have to take the next half and round up. But they wanted to keep it as foolproof seemingly as possible by mm. saying, hey, you also get the half points, the rest of the half points rounded back up just to make sure we're at 100% here. Correct. All right. So now let's talk a little bit about strategy. You know, we've played this. Um, we've played dogfight always. This is the the probably the closest to uh, to what we know or the most familiar with. Um, how is your engagement in this different than what you've done before? I guess my question is. For you all specifically, and Ryan, we'll start for you. Does your play or how you used to play change because there's this, this single objective in the center of the board? Still changes a bit. Um, I don't yet know. So I, I haven't played too much uh, chance engagement. But um, I think I would s specifically select the type of ships that I know could weave in and out of that range too for me. So mm -hmm. if I felt the need to find better positioning to engage where I want to, depending on obstacle placement, that I would have the time to do so while not giving up points. But also on the flip side, I'm not yet sure if it's worth considering. If I just give up one point, am I going to get much better positioning than my opponent maybe? There might be instances of it. Say I don't commit my just one of the turns. doesn't even have to be the first turn. could be the second turn. could be the third turn. You just send one in and you could just dip out and say, nope, we're going to come back later. I might give up a point, but it might be worth the positional advantage. Yeah, this is one of the few, this is one of the, the only engagement where completely ignoring the objective for a turn won't result in a snowball effect where if you just you know in, in the other ones which we'll talk you know we're continuing to talk about if you're like i'll give up all five for the turn you've, you've probably lost the game <laughs> if you if you ever do that don't do that okay but in this one I, I like that ryan you have the opportunity for to make a strategic choice to take a quote-unquote loss to potentially get in a better spot to be able to uh to flank your opponent uh and things like that marcel i know that you haven't played chance engagement uh but have you started to maybe um theorize how you will approach it once you get an opportunity to practice it um in a way yes basically uh, i'm not going to play it any different than i would play a normal um well normal a previous non-objective dogfight the only difference is the only thing that's changing is is what people are bringing because of the nature of uh where we are with points and the meta so having said that um is the expectation will be to just be better prepared for the joust but just don't come in for um like don't go in and, and go for forward and say hey, i gotta get that objective first round uh you, you don't need it it's it's a it's it's gonna end up being whoever kills the most ships uh the objective is not the only time the objective is going to um matter or or declare who wins is in a situation where you guys are both where you where both players are just like neck and neck and it's uh it, it's that one point that's going to make a difference so no i don't think the i don't think the way you play this versus a game without objectives changes other than 
the lists that are currently popular because of the other objectives just means you have to think about how you're going to how you're going to approach because it gives you the opportunity to set up differently usually you're set up uh spread out to contest multiple objectives mm -hmm. in this case you could set up a a jousting block and say no i'm going to keep all my ships close by or at least within a certain proximity and um you know come come along the edge as you as you're showing right here on the side like that range too is pretty easy to get if you're even if you're setting up towards the edge uh a two forward yeah a two forward will get you into that spot so it's not you know i don't think anybody i was double checking i i thought it was two as well but it is actually yeah. three you do need to do a three from the okay, even front a three of forward, your like Two four have, guarantee it. Yeah, if, if you have one ship, or, or even like a three hard barrel roll left, or something like that, like there's a way, there's ways to get your ship in there without committing to to a to an early attack. Like you don't have to go five forward with all your ships and saying, "Hey, I'm, I'm, I own this." Uh, not necessary. Just play your game. Play your game the way you would have prior to objectives now I this... like those ships by the way those hawks are pretty cool also any system phase repositioning ships are really good at ending inside just inside the circle and then repositioning back out to a different maneuver next turn just kind of skirting that edge that's right interceptors silencers with sensitive controls you got the um the eight of twos as well um uh, now in this one of course w we haven't set up obstacles yet for this for um for chance engagement but i think that's going to be one of the one of the let me let me go back in one of the in the other setups a lot of times what i noticed myself doing was using a rock as cover to protect myself when trying to catch an objective that is easy for me to get to. Obstacle placement in uh, in this one can can be quite I think quite interesting, right? Like you can you can end up making a pretty tight cluster around that uh, around that um, about around that objective. Because you're you putting them you on the outside. I I always just put them on the inside of range two. I try to put all my objectives inside that bubble. So if you if you want to go and contest it, you have to fly through the obstacles. Ah, uh, it's 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 a um, it's a I bet I can fly better than you type of situation. Mm -hmm. Is is yeah, definitely exactly. a challenge challenge to the opponent and see if they accept. Do you accept? <laughs> Enter yeah. the well, ring of fire yeah. or a a a gift to the to the droids. Just, oh, they're nowhere I, to be not, not right a valid, now. not a great strategy would uh, your face tragedies, against players. Gift to the tragedies, really. Oh yeah, <laughs> also, also tragedies. Don't, don't let them. But yeah, you can really pack in the obstacles uh, and make them second guess putting every ship into that center, uh, which is totally unnecessary. As we said earlier, you only need one ship to contest the center. You do not need more ships than your other opponent. All right. So, um, any other thoughts on chance engagement? I mean, this one, this one again is, is the most familiar to us. Um, I will be. I'm curious. You know, 
X-Wing players, as they come into the game, and all they know is objective play, right? They they never experienced the the last few years of X-Wing where it's only been dogfight. Um, I'm curious to know if chance engagement will be um, a more difficult um, a more difficult objective than the other ones, just because it's less I, less I cut think and dry. I, could, I think I could agree with that. Be, maybe not cut and dry, but uh, I I don't want to quote it. But they might not have a sense of what they should be doing in the scenario, right? Mm. Your first impression could just be, well, get ships in the middle of the board. That seems easy enough. Um, but if your opponent can set some traps, surround the center, put every single arc into that center objective, right? Where you may have foolishly flown a single ship to take the objective, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I could see, as far as a novice player, falling into these traps um, and maybe just uh, being too concerned about the center objective. Yeah, like I, I think in a in a tournament scenario where you have m different levels of play and players with different experience, I think chance engagement is where you make your bacon. I think this is where you make the cut because if, if I think like you said, well, you're too if you're too concerned with the objective in this one, there's a good chance you you set yourself up for failure. All right, there's chance engagement. Let's keep the ball rolling. We're going to go to salvage mission. Ryan, you are in the hot seat. Let's go ahead and uh, and talk about salvage mission. This is the third of four objectives uh, for the new X-Wing scenarios. Uh, let's go ahead and start by talking about setup for salvage mission. So setup for salvage is utilizing five supply caches and same thing, you find your center, what objective goes there. And just like assault on the satellite array, a, the first player will place the first supply cache in the same distance, the at range three uh, of the center objective and within range two to four of their side of the board. Second player follows suit with their cache next, putting it on their side of the board with the same range restrictions. And then first player will place an objective on their opponent's side within their opponent's range two to four and outside of range two of other objectives and within and at range three of the center objective. And then the last one will follow suit. Same thing, opposing player places the uh, places on their opposite side uh, at range two to four within range nope it's at range is it within range two to four right will within for the hey, within, within four yep it's at and, three of the center outside of range two of a friendly of, of another objective within at outside or inside one of those all those words very specific <laughs> so basically Salvage mission will set up the same way as Assault on the Satellite Array. We'll see this trend continue actually later on. Um, so it's just the terminology and the type of mission that this is. So um, you're using supply caches. The big thing about these supply caches is you score objectives via holding these. You pick them up and take them with you. 
So what this scenario adds is called the action of toe. All actions are white actions, or scenario actions are always white actions, available to every single ship in the game. So when you go to do a toe action, you have to be, when a ship performs a toe action, choose a supply cache at range 0 to 1. Remove the chosen supply cache from the play area and place it on the ship's card. So do we have Luke hanging around somewhere in here? Let's spawn Luke again. Search. Grab Luke. Let's say we have. Did you want to do the same uh, setup thing, or we just want to play some random ones around here? Oh, let, let's go. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and set it up. Okay. So, uh, Mar uh, Marcel, go ahead and be opposite of uh, of of Ryan. Marcel's blue. Okay. So, Marcel, let's say your first player. Go ahead, and place the first cache. Cache. Ooh, we're being fancy. We're being fancy. <laughs> All right, let's put the first cache over here. So if it has the line, which is now implemented TTS, it means you cannot yes. put it there. What are you talking about? Uh, line? There, 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 line? Is, there is lines now. You can turn them on and off for the objectives. No, oh, you're, you're good. You're good. You're good, good place. But you're good. Okay, so I can. Well, this is telling giving me a line. Yep, this means so you you're too close. There. there we go. We'll go right there. So for, for reference again, uh, that's why I put that text out there at range three, right? So as long as it's touching that range three band is what you're looking for. So that's a legal placement. And here we go. You had Ryan, go the go ahead there again at range three. And Marcel places one on my side. Okay, at the Okay, then the next one is uh, putting it on your side. Mm -hmm. Yep. Ooh, look at this! All these fancy stuff. There you go. So there's. Uh, at I'm actually thinking about this. I don't like this very much. <laughs> <laughs> Too far away. Wait, no, it's not giving me a line. Well, look, you can, can see it, it here. here. All right, don't cheat me out of my 0.3 millimeters. Wait, there we go. Right. That's only doing the Do you, two to four. So. Can you guys imagine playing a real game of X-Men against myself? <laughs> I, I will t I will tell you in person this sets up a lot easier, yeah. <laughs> a lot well, faster. The, as a spoiler alert, you set up the same way in three of the objectives. Yeah. Yep. And one, so once you, you don't set up one way to do it, you're going to know how to do the rest. Yeah, but I mean, there's a little bit of difference with um, with the one that you're contesting with your ships there versus the one that, you know, the ones yep. that you, you action to take, I think they, you set up probably the same way. But, uh, but, we'll, but other ones... we'll, get to, we'll get to those. Yep. I mean, well, this, I mean, we this is dope. this is a toe action, so you do back, back, back to the toe action. Still so, action to take it. Yes. so let's say you have Luke who decided to say, "I am going to set up 
and deploy here at range one and decide to say I'm going to do like a one or two straight and end up here. I'm going to then do a tow action. So like I said, tow actions are white and a ship needs to be at range zero to one. So Luke can take that objective. So while you are towing a cache, so at ship can only have one cache on its card. So you can only pick up one at a time. And then you have to place one of the player markers next to the ship miniature. To, so you're, you want to generally put a marker near your ship, but you also kind of the bigger one is to take the cache and put it on your pilot card to know uh -huh. that pilot is carrying a cache. And then at the end of a ship's activation the ship may choose to jettison its supply cache if it does remove the supply cache from the ship's card and then the opposing player this is the important part anytime a cache is jettisoned the opposing player of that ship will then place it so let's say luke said you know what a turn or two later i'm gonna i'm gonna drop it very rare case you'd want to drop it, but he's going to drop it. So you would spawn... So Marcel would place this, since that's my Luke. He gets to place it... It would be at range 1. So similar to the range 3. It'd be just touching. As long as it's at range 1, he can put it closer to any of his ships or farther out of the way of me to go get it to any of my other ships, and it would drop there. So now, if, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just getting to the next section, but if he's going, yeah. On that, go so, for it. so, and and you score here by just having having possession of that cash to, at the end of the end phase, right? Now, at the end they, of the end phase, yes. There now, it's more than just like, all right, I got it. Like, there's some, there are some specific things you can and cannot do when you actually have that uh, cash on your uh, on your ship and they actually adjusted uh, and added a couple of rules since the initial release of this to clarify some of the confusion uh, that was happening go ahead Ryan I know you were going right into that yep so the few restrictions you have while a ship is towing a supply cache it cannot cannot execute advanced maneuvers perform slam actions or be coordinated so let's really key on the key in on the word cannot like i emphasize because what that means in the way this has been clarified in some of the rules that have either already been clarified when the rules first came out or also clarified further in a couple of addendums or uh modif or, mo or uh, updates to the actual rules documents mm -hmm. if you input an advanced maneuver on your ship and you're towing a supply cache that does not mean you execute the advanced maneuver and you jettison the cache. Because you cannot execute those maneuvers, you do a stressed maneuver, which is a white too straight, and you keep the cache. So whatever you had on your dial, if it's a zero stop, if it's a sloop, if it's a talent, if it's a 4K, if it, or K-turn in general, if it's a side slip, a little more weird with the wording on that one they have further clarification that i recommend you go check it out if you're an hmp player or a future captain hark gauntlet player mm -hmm. um there are special rules for side slipping because that is technically an advanced maneuver 
Um, overall, you're doing, you cannot do advanced maneuvers while you do that. Um, double check your side slip uh, explanations in the pages necessary. You can look up in side slip sections, I believe, in the rules reference. A little too much to go into right now. Um, if a ship towing supply cache reveals advanced maneuver performs stress, yep, it must perform. Uh, if a ship must perform in advance, oh, they did. Did they go further into this now? Uh, oh, did. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, and then we get into the other part, the the actual attacking way to get rid of a cache on an enemy ship. Um, if when a ship is towing a supply cache, suffers a crit damage or is destroyed, the cache is jettisoned. Jettison the same way as if you voluntarily jettison, the opponent will place it at range one. So let's clarify suffering a crit damage. Whether you have a shield, whether you have anti, like, face up damage card effects, if you are dealt a crit damage in the attack and you have not evaded it or negated it in some manner, and you take that crit damage shield hull whatever it is the cache is being jettisoned it's a big thing a lot of people are starting to look at more things that generate crits to help in this mode maybe not everything needs crits because it is only one of the four scenarios that we have but if you are generated a crit you are going to jettison your cache and dion has also clarified um can we also get the fuel leak card, Dio? Or, or not the fuel leak, the hull breach card? Mm hmm. Because that might be worded a little different. Nope, it's worded the exact same. You suffer a critical damage instead. So, hull breach says, yep, before you would suffer one or more hit damage, suffer that much crit damage instead. So, if you have hull breach, or basically, if you have a supply cache, really hope you didn't get hull breach. <laughs> it's not just the fact that it doesn't tell you to expose cards or flip them. It straight says hits are now crits. Hold you got a hole in your ship. Scary. You ain't holding anything. <laughs> no. So just for clarification, two different cards. One of them is selfless. Does uh, selfless prevent dropping of cash? If you you never you ship. never suffered the crit. The selfless yes, carrier did. And the second one is uh, grievous crew in separatist cancels the crit result so no correct no damage okay. you and have to the third suffer, one would be... specifically suffer yeah. the crit damage so let's say you have two rebel ships that both have selfless both of them have a cache one of them gets attacked the basically the player because the the rebel player because they both have selfless both ships could decide basically do i want the original ship to take the crit and drop the cash or is because my or is it because it's more advantageous for my other ship to suffer the crit and spread the damage even though i'm netting always dropping one of the two caches anyway i mm -hmm. just rather have my other ship take it so either way whether you are the ship that has selfless um that pulls it it's just if you suffer crit this doesn't even have to be by attacking proton bombs tell you to suffer crits Debris as well. Debris and any suffer a crit damage. Didn't say by attack, didn't say by anything specific. If you suffer, if you look for that critical symbol and you suffered it, you suffer in a dropped cash. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I would suggest if you're still confused on the difference between damage and critical damage, watch our quick tips on what is critical damage. There's a difference there. All right. 
So well, I, I, I do want to mention uh, one more thing uh -huh. uh, before we move on. Uh, something Ryan mentioned about uh, at the end of a ship's activation, uh, a ship may choose to jettison its supply cash. Uh, a lot of people don't understand why you would ever do that. So that uh, you so, can execute an advanced maneuver the well, next turn. Well, it would be at the right? next turn. Yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, but you'd be wasting a point doing that. Uh, I think the scenario that uh, might come up more often is that you're carrying a cash and you barely survived the engagement, right? Maybe you got soon to your fell chasing you down. Mm -hmm. You can move, drop your cash, and then have a full health ship come and pick it up on your own team. Uh, if you can try to coordinate that. So it is a way to, it, it's more for, uh, hopefully there will be somebody else to pick it up after you jettison it, uh, rather than that just losing like the rugby. Yeah, exactly, right? Throw a lateral. Be like, <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, be like, everybody's got, everyone thinks I'm going to five forward and boost with the cash to try to get out of here. Well, I'm going to drop the cash and give it to somebody headed in the opposite direction. Right, Give, uh, being able to uh, change that up, right? Like I said, it, it happens very frequently if you're at like one or uh, two health, but there's a full health ship nearby that could just snatch the cargo. Could be very advantageous to do so. A couple um, of other small uh, things added towards the end of this that has been added to the documentation on this is when a ship that is towing a supply cache is placed in reserves, the supply cache is jettisoned from the ship's position before it was placed in reserves. So I believe that helps cover things like Morallo going off the board. It covers docking, I believe, because you are mm -hmm. placed in reserves when you dock. Yep. So it's based on the original position of those ships before they were put in reserves. Same with fleeing the battlefield. If you just, like... I flew off the board. Oops. Um, your supply cache is placed at the ship's position before executing the maneuver that put them off the board. There you go. So, so, so you're telling me I can't just I can't uh, deprive my opponent of the supply cache and just take it off the board. No, you can't leave the battle with the supply cache. <laughs> sounds kind of weird thematically, but here we are. We gotta have no, I, I, I did have a lot of fun uh, docking cargo ships into my other ships. Uh, not allowed anymore. Docking is part of reserve. Um, Aval flying off the board, not going to happen either. These are, these are some of the small things that uh, – and, you know – I would say props to AMG, you know, we're, we're players. We're going to try to break it as soon as we see it. And they said that they would update things as they, they realize issues came up. And here, here, right here in this one specifically, Salva's mission, there was these few sentences. It was a single page. It is now on to a second page. And unless they make the, the text really small, it's not going to fit on one page anymore. All right, so there we go. There's Salvage Mission. I will tell you, this was actually, I think, my favorite one. Uh, on, I I like this one, I do, I really do. I like this one, and I like the uh, assault on the satellite array. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about uh, about strats in this one, boys. Um, you got anything? Uh, you, you you have any optimal cash placements that you you're starting to really like? 
So I think Marcel already had a mindset thinking of like in-game what he would do. So I think one of the the first two objectives are generally pretty close to deployment. Like where I already I'm already gonna be. It's not super telegraphing where I have to go. Might telegraph where one of my ships deploys or kind of near it. But I mean, I have if you have ships that have five straights, they could start on an edge and then go in. But you're generally saying where one of your ships is going to be by the end of the first turn because they're going to be within range one of this because they're going to want to pick it up. Mm -hmm. um, next, I think the most, I mean, you, you see it here, the most common place to put the opponent's one is as close as possible to your side of the board. So we're going to see a lot of the side placements to get as close to your side as possible to have more threatening capability. Now, that's the trend right now. Whether or not that's going to be the prevailing way to do it in the future, we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the, the logic seems sound, right? It's like, I'm going to give myself the best chance to grab that one right away so that on turn one, I get two points. Like, that's what you're looking for, right? You want to make sure that you're scoring two points uh, in, in that first turn. Yep. And I think what uh, Will is showing here is um, especially if we take what he has, I don't want to move it yet, but if this was scooted over towards the middle of the board, um, at least, okay, so at least in TTS right now, digital format, if you five straight up the middle with a, some amount of width, I mean, I think, we, can we check range? That uh, doesn't show the bubble. So if it showed the bubble, we could see around range one what this is. Uh, we could probably actually just take a... I would need to dial to turn on the range one. Yeah, whatever. Um, but <laughs> basically, it's very easy for a five straight to contest this turn one. Which, depending on the platforms and ships that you have, there are have been most factions do have a two or three cost ship to move in here, grab this. But you're also maybe telegraphing. A very isolated ship that could be very well threatened for an early kill <clears throat> so if you want to get the objective you're going to want to ideally have a lower initiative fast speeding ship because this is an action that takes it off the board mm -hmm. takes off the board the first ship that gets there is going to be the one that gets it so you either a want to hope that you go first so if you have matching initiative road's a big deal on this one. Oh yeah but you're also going to have to say, all right, if I don't want to have to count on that 100%, do I have enough other ships to, and enough offensive output to really threaten and scare the opponent from doing that strategy? Do I have enough high power shots to say, all right, you can go there, ship's probably going to die <laughs> or be really close to death, and pointing still towards me in most cases. There are some ships system phase reposition whether it's uh system phase boosts and five straights or four straights that can get there on an angle which is really which is much more advantageous than it is for just a five straight up mm -hmm. um this also becomes big in rock placement uh let me see where is probably our new largest rock wide wise so this one here this type of obstacle i've seen a lot of people start doing obstacles where it's they're putting on in their opponent's side up the middle and saying I'm putting this around the range one buffer to say you can't land anywhere here and still get this objective you gotta be out here mm -hmm. or here 
got to choose a lane. Just a little more difficult. Now, according to a few people who've done this more in person, reminder, not every mat is the exact same dimension. It's I actually was just about to go correct there. across the board. <laughs> so just because your five straight hits the board on a specific measurement off to the side, right? Maybe you're not going up the middle. You're, you're trying to find that, like, get as far over as I can. It's like on the three or it's on the whatever I measured, right? At home or mm -hmm. on TTS. And I'm going to go do my five straight. I'm going to hit my middle. No matter how much you measured it at home or on TTS, if it doesn't happen in person at the event, you can't just go to a judge and be like, but I've done this so many times. It worked. Like, it didn't work there. That's not no. how this works. If it doesn't work at your event, it doesn't work. Not That's all measurements right. are going to be exactly there. So you need to have uh, either contingency, plan, contingency plans or know that you're going to have enough that, that you're going to have enough of a um, correct angle placement to find the right side if someone puts this what i call the 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 linebacker rock or the blocker rock and and to be fair if you know what you just practice that at home once i mean if that if that's really your 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 thing practice that at home understand how far that five forward will get you and how what i mean by that is know how many how many range rulers or have like your set like i know how much this is because during a tournament, during a cat, during any time, it's only really going to matter in tournaments because hopefully you're not this um, this this hung over hung up over it in a casual match. But in a tournament, uh, you you have the option to you know check the validity of where that is placed. So as you're doing your measurements from left, right, top, down, you can bring your thing like oh. Uh, yep, that looks right to me, and that's gonna tell you like, yeah, I can I can reach that. Uh, of course, you can't do it using something third party. Just just grab your regular range three, range two ruler, and and, and say, I know this is how far it gets me. So just do that ahead of time. Just just at your kitchen table, say, okay, how far does five forward and range one get me? And there's nothing stopping you from doing that check when you're verifying that the centerpiece is where it needs to be. And if the mat is a different size and you don't get there, then you know you don't get there. You don't you don't go for it. Um, again, there's nothing stopping you from from doing that, and that's not you, you have to verify that it's in the center. That's part of the the process. Um, also, wanted to point out the in this uh, up here, a five forward to a boost, or in some t situations, a you know a boost like the A wings or the sensitive control. Uh, interceptors or silencers, a five forward and a boost will get you to the objective that you place on the other side at range four with plenty to spare. And uh, so just keep that in mind as you think about afterburners as an alternative to a shield upgrade. Everybody's saying shield upgrade, shield upgrade, shield upgrade. But if you can do a five forward that is white and then afterburners and capture this, that, um, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it gives you plenty of, pl plenty of space, better space than that one over there. So just keep that in mind. If you're if you're on this side saying, oh, I'm going to go five forward. And even in a situation where you lose road or something like that, you still get, um, you know, you still get to be right in somebody's face and say, well, I'm going to challenge you to take that action to take that. And now I'm going to have a number of, 
uh, ships that are boosting forward, focusing and taking range two shots at you. Uh, because again, that's that's kind of the range two bubble there. So if you're if you're capturing this, you're probably at range two. So just just yeah. keep that in mind. The afterburners in this scenario and the next one comes in very very handy. And again, just being able to get from point A to point B. And then on the flip side, uh, you'd be surprised how quickly in in round one you can have three ships shooting at you with uh, with three mm -hmm. modded dice if, if you're like oh i'm just gonna go over here turn one and grab this this objective <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Sure. and there's uh so on top of the system phase boost and the afterburners um jedi aether sprites can opt in to use their fine-tuned controls to boost as well mm -hmm. to get to that and then do their action a lot of them have multiple force which still helps them out on defense um <clears throat> Do we have any other obstacle-based things beyond just that sort of middle blocker rock that people have started observing or thinking about doing? I like I like I the actually... blocker. Go ahead. I like I like the blocker rock, uh, but also just being able to create a moment of cover. You, you we talked about uh, you know forcing your opponent into a lane, but just being able to. To, when you place, you know the the one one that you know that you're going to try to go for during setup. Uh, let's say let's say your opponent goes and places the blocker rock, and you decide, okay, this doesn't quite work for me uh, in in my setup. If I'm the blue player in this sense, the the right side of the board, you can go ahead and take your biggest rock, put it on the opposite side at a at a spot where if you're now you're you're kind of creating that same idea of a blocker obstacle, but on a different one of the objectives that way it's advantageous for you and if you're using your action to boost or barrel roll get uh you know and uh if, you know some type of resource in order to get there after burners and you have to use your action to actually do it toe you have at least an additional die to protect you on the onset yeah i was just going to say that i've i've been thinking more about um where you place yours, so this is this is the one that you place, and you, this is the one that you said, well, I know I'm going to take this one for free. Um, and instead of trying to cover, because a lot of people try to cover this area here, mm -hmm. I try to cover the exit. So basically saying like, okay, if you're going to get this rock, you're going to have to go outside and come at me instead of get here and then come this way. Cause, so I try to place the rock to kind of funnel them saying if you're going after this objective you're going to have to kind of take the long way around and not be in the center contesting the middle yeah. so just, it's not I, just I, I, I like from those... getting it but keeping them from like what the next move will be start shuffling towards the towards the next move yeah i definitely like those outside objectives so like if we do this one over here if i'm this if i'm red player which I guess in this example, I've been this whole time in Marcel, blue player. Um, this one is on his side. So what I can take the most advantage of is putting it on the inside towards me because he will have to go and get it and he'd have to stop just short here to fit one turns or two turns. So it's cut underneath it. I may even move it back a little bit. Whereas I am on my way in, I could do like land up here, potentially do two turns that just fit me here or three turns out here so i think the the obstacle to the inside 
where they're going to go, like Marcel said, helps limit or at least give you information, the, you and putting down, tell, you're learning from your opponent, the moves they'll be able to they'll be able to do after picking that up if they get it. And there's also some uh, some talk in the chat. Just a reminder, with the objective tokens, you can fly on top of them. They are not obstacles. So um, one thing I noticed in our in our first couple games that uh, my, me and my opponents were were like actively trying not to fly on top of them, but you can, and that positioning might be the right place to be if somebody sets up one of these kind of blocker um you know uh or, or like you know ryan's talking about this inside uh this inside rock it, don't set yourself up for a turn then you gotta have to go straight now that obstacle ends up costing you potentially a turn where your ship is no longer in engagement but if you're prioritizing in in that specific spot to make sure that you actually capture the objective uh just roll on over the thing. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt you in any way. But I know as, as a player, it's very easy to look at these these things like because they they kind of remind me personally of bomb tokens. Like you don't want to be by them. This is this this is safe touch. Safe touch. It's okay. <laughs> any other uh, any other tips for people playing salvaged mission? See. I find it interesting that when we got to this one, this is the one where I feel like we had a lot. Um, a lot of turn zero type of uh, mentalism, and I think it has to do with the fact that uh, once you've scooped these up, like there, there is a priority to making sure that you get them, uh, because once once you got them, they they start moving all over the place when people start dropping them. But you want to make sure that you can you can get. Obviously, you want all three. You want three out of the five if you can. Uh, you're not going to get any more. Is there any way to get four of them? Maybe. I mean, you can yeah, if, real, your real lets you. <laughs> if your opponent you, lets you. If your opponent lets you. No, no, it's, it's, it's actually real easy to get four. Are you, are you saying can you get four of them in the first turn? I yep. mean, I guess you, you go... objective, it's real easy. Yeah. So you, you well, go if, to... If, if you have the farthest up, like like we've been talking about placing. You control that because you control yeah. the one on your side. So there's going to be... Okay, so at the you control four. So you get the center... You get the one that you pick on your side. And then they have to give you one on your side. So they have to give you one over here on your side. And all you have to do is the one that you picked on your side here, just put it at the at, at the four there. So you'll have, yeah, there you go. Uh, one of the lists that, uh, remote, you guys remember I flew Nash Swarm, like Nash and four alphas at... Um, Mm -hmm. There, so for example, Nash Gorin and Four Alphas is one. Also, the seven um, A wings can do it as well. Seven A wings with vectored thrusters. You can have all these four at initiative one, because it, in this particular one, it lower initiative actually benefits you more because lower initiative you basically take it from them. Then they have to either kill you or crit you to get it. So in a situation like that, you can get four objectives. And then the one that shot up to get the furthest one away, you you have Nash to protect it in case it dies, and then you have Gorin to throw it a like an evade token, so it'll still be tokened up. So lists like that can still get four tokens by by initiative one, and now so, so you're 
So l l let's try to plan against that then. L let's try to plan against that. If I see my opponent has the possibility, multiple low initiative ships that will be able to move before me and, and scoop these up in salvage mission, uh, mm -hmm. do I basically, you know, make sure I have a ship that can grab the one closest to my edge in the center? Mm-hmm. And do I stack the box on one side to make sure my opponent doesn't get four, or at least not doesn't get punished, right? Because you, your your goal is going to end up being to try to delete that ship on the first turn. You, you, I know that in, in this specific list, you're talking about that you're going to have tokens and things like that, but you at least get an opportunity to pounce on it. Yeah, you get an opportunity, but now that's a way to basically make sure that you deny the opponent second. And in turn one, um, you should be able to know Again, as as long as you are putting Nash and Gorin somewhere between these two, you will feed the evade token to the one that is most likely to get shot. And if they target lock it, then you can remove the target lock. In the A-wing side, since all of the A-wings can move that way and they have shields, there you know there's there's ways to do it. And uh, again, in the seven A-wing list, so. It puts the onus on the opponent to have to one-shot a ship. Not one-shot, mm -hmm. but one-turn a ship. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're doing that, that means you're probably putting all of your forces here, and then you're leaving your flank uh, exposed. So oh, it Mar Marcel, makes it just really to clarify, difficult. how do you get an interceptor up on this top one? Because a boost or one? straight doesn't make it. It's a boost... No, not an interceptor. I'm sorry. It's, it's the, A wing. Uh, okay, right. that's what's yeah. The A wing or the ETA, ETAs or something. Yep. Stuff like that. Yeah, they they stay up there. You boost, need a five straight and a boost. Or actually, you could get it because uh, Nash and Goran can both do uh, afterburners. So you, if you go afterburner route, but I would. They do have the option to take afterburners. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So you but, need well, you no, need a way to already... do a, a five just real quick. So you need a way to do a five straight plus a boost that doesn't include your normal activation action let me, let me in order to grab the one on the other side of the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can do a – doesn't a bank boost, bank boost cool. get you further? Um, I think only if you tried to line it up on the side and did the four straight so it, like, mm. lands on a corner here, but it's kind of weird to do that. Yeah, you I would will have say to like another one you here do. and then boost this way and then four, yeah. Any – any uh, silencer or whisper that has sensor scramblers and wants to decloak. Anything with sensor scrambler, yeah. Sensor scramblers can get up there in a hurry. Decloak two forward and then your maneuver. Yeah, and the thing is, too, when you're doing something like that, uh, there's nothing stopping you from being at a bluff and you're, you're like, nope, I'm going to come this way. So now you committed everything here to take this objective and stop me from taking it. And then so so also consider that you can you can just not take it <laughs> just just because you can doesn't mean you should yeah it turns out when there's a wedge with a proton torpedo on the other end of that i don't think you want to take that <laughs> come no, on no let's play like, it's okay <laughs> all right yeah i'm th yeah this one this one I, I like i told you i i think this one's really really fun i i the 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 opening the turn zero i find very interesting because you you have to prioritize what is it that you're trying to do in this opening uh and and then try to try to set it up there and of course um if you are able to destroy a ship that has a cache during that turn um they don't score the points for it so that's why i was mentioning if you can take it out in that first turn 
then good on you because they don't score the points. They may have used the action, but it doesn't score until the to the to the start of the end phase. Um, and the other part, let's go ahead and talk about uh, once somebody is is critted or or uh, is destroyed, what actually happens to these objective tokens. Um, so let's say, I know we have a bunch of ships on the board right now, but let's go ahead and say that this uh, this interceptor right here was the one to uh, to be destroyed by Luke Skywalker, and it had a, a cache on its card. You're gonna go ahead and take your, your range one stick uh, from that from that ship and not the interceptor player but the opposing player the the luke skywalker player gets to go ahead and place this within that range one bubble and this is where that the extra strategery comes in because um obviously if you have other ships nearby you want to try to put that in a spot where you can scoop it up the next turn or if you don't have any ships that can scoop it up you put it in a spot where ideally your opponent can't grab it at least for an additional turn. Put it out of the way. Um, I've ser I've heard some people putting them on like proximity mines or on obstacles, just in in bad spots to make it like, hey, you want to go and grab it? It's gonna be a little bit dangerous. Um, but you have some. Uh, so you have you got some options in that one. Like so, in this instance, I might say, let me just see if I can scooch you over a little bit. So if I have that ship there, I went, all right, you want to go get it somewhere? It's on the rock now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Range one, scoot over to it. Yep, exactly, exactly. All right, so that has been Salvage Mission. We got one more of these to cover. Uh, last but not least, we have the Scramble the Transmissions. Scramble the Transmissions which uh, you'll see very similar uh, type of setup uh, to all the other ones. Will, go ahead and give us setup for Scramble the Transmissions. Uh, well, as you had described, uh, it's very similar to the one, other ones we covered. We have first one starts in the center of the board. I'm going to place one uh, at range three, beyond range two of the center uh, obstacle on my side of the board uh, uh, within range two uh, to four of my own board. My opponent then is going to do the same thing. They're going to place that obstacle, or sorry, place the objective. Turns out I've said obstacle about a million times uh, when referring <laughs> to X-Wing. Anyways, the objective that your opponent places then is going to be that same beyond range two at range three of the center within range two to four of their own board edge. Uh, then it goes back to me. I'll place one on their side, uh, same placement, two to four, beyond range two of the center one. Uh, and then they will place one back on my side uh, to make five total satellites on the board. All righty. So um, with uh, with this one, I know that uh, Marcel in our our talks about this one, this one to me uh, is the one that snowballs the fastest because of 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 the function of, of, of how these actually work. Um, 
because in order in order to contest it, in order to contest it, it's just a it's just different different type of uh, of setup here. Um, you get the scramble action, right? In order to try to get that opportunity to break uh, to break the lock or not the excuse me not the lock to to switch control of the of the transmission in this one. Now my question is: this one's kind of like a a mix, in my opinion, between assault on the satellite array and the salvage mission, uh, just a bit. Um, I have not personally. I've only played this one one time. And I have not found any specific strategies. I know that we've we've covered setup a few times. Um, obviously, after you set up all the objective tokens, just like all the other ones, you go ahead, you set up the obstacles, then your ships, and then you play. So we'll go ahead here. Will, Will, let's let's uh, you, you and me. You you be the red player. I'll play the blue blue player. Oh. <laughs> let's okay. let's set up. Uh, okay. Let, let's set uh, these up. Here's be my objective. So you can go first. Take your take your first objective. Okay. So first thing, I'm gonna go on my side of the board within range two of my edge. All right, two to four from my edge, and within range three of the uh, excuse me at at range three. Uh, at range of, three beyond the range center. two. I know. I know, Dion. Within, beyond, at all these words. We should just get it. Make a T-shirt that says "at at" just, just the word "at." So, um, so I could. I know there's a few times we we've, we've put it at the at the center there. So I could I could just go ahead and put it at the center. Sure. All right. I'll I'll put mine as far away as possible in this little corner. Okay, and then I go to your side of the board again at range mm -hmm. three, and. I'm going to go ahead and uh, can't can't cross range two there as close as I can get there uh, and on the inside right there. Did you let me place one over here? You sure did. Well, that's going to be an interesting game. So I'll place mine right here uh, on your side beyond range two of each other other satellite. It is important that it has to be every satellite beyond range two, and not just the center one. Yeah, because this this creates an interesting interesting scenario here, where you could you have this lane kind of in the in the center here to um, to oh, yeah. potentially this is grab the fight four. Zone now. This is the fight zone, right? Yeah, <laughs> <it> normally, <laughs> normally I would say you end up at a box, uh, right? You've as yeah. we've all built uh, in the, the previous setups. Um, but like I said, this one you allowed me uh, to put it to double, to stack one side of the battlefield. I'm not sure if that's advantageous in this one, um, but it, it could be if you can make it uh, worthwhile. I highly, so, but, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to keep moving on. What were you yeah, going to say? You go, keep, it, keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Okay. Uh, well, what we need to uh, do is actually define the scramble action. Okay. Yep. So let's get let's get our ships here. I'm gonna choose that hawk I keep pulling out. Hawk. We'll ignore these for a second. Get these out of here. One, two, three. 
you know, look, we even got objectives here. So this one has the scramble action, and that's how you're going to score points. Uh, this action allows you to mark a objective as uh, in your control. Uh, if it is uncontested, all I need to do is move up with uh, Mr. Kanan Jarrus here. I'm going to check range one. It is. And as my action, then I will place a marker. I'll just use a any old red token here uh, to signify uh, that it is under my control. Now, Diom, uh -huh. your TIE Fighter is coming in. Okay. So you come from the center. And now you want to claim my objective. How you do that is you're going to roll an attack dice and an eyeball, hit or crit, replace the marker with your own. So then it just flips over to blue. Um, but had you rolled the dreaded blank, you would just remove my control and it would go then neutral. Neither one of us would have control over it again. Mm -hmm. um, so no, ma no matter what, the scramble will succeed in removing it from you. Correct. It's it whether will or not I get to keep it. Will, it. Exactly. It will always remove the opponent's control, no matter what. Uh, maybe you had a second TIE fighter that came in and then could claim it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, no limitation on how many of these you can uh how many of these scramble actions your team could perform um there could be a scenario where you know i come up and reclaim it you reclaim it you know and it just keeps going back and forth until mm -hmm. nobody has any actions yeah. uh, <laughs> so now claiming it is how you're going to score the mission points at the end of the round each player who controls the satellite is going to gain a mission point also, the other way of scoring points in this scenario is destroying or removing your opponent's ships. You also get their squad point value. Um, and then, yeah, play will continue on as normal after that. So in, in this one specifically, there is an advantage to having higher initiative ships because you can come in at initiative six you had all the all the uh, all the all the piddly initiative ones fighting over it and you just come in as a six and be like scramble <laughs> exactly we're we're toe mate favor the i ones scramble yep. certainly favors the i sixes mm -hmm. yeah so that's you know that's that's a, that's definitely I find that really interesting right so uh assault on sorry let let me not get there yet um scramble the transmissions we've talked a lot about about strategy for the other ones is there anything specific in in this one uh ryan or marcel that that you found yourself uh seeing um or witnessing when when playing or watching people play this one so a couple the choosing if you're lower initiative mm -hmm. whether or not to take an objective becomes um uh, it it becomes a big a bigger decision because you can take it and then you know they can move after you and take it back from you, 
at which point you are tokenless. Of course, they are tokenless, but they have an objective that they will get points for at the end of the turn. So at early initiative, you know, you you just have to, um, you know, make that choice when you get there. It may not be such a bad idea to say, you know what, I am just going to uh, focus up and put myself in a position where I'm going to deal out some damage. And then if you are coming at the same objective, um, now you have a choice. Are you going to take the objective and be unmodded for my defense? Or um, are you just going to also just token up to to fight? So that, that becomes a, a bigger decision. And then um, another just not just for this one but for all of these that we haven't talked about is just the area the importance of just um control area control whether it's through bombs both through the front and back uh through ion and through tractor beam and uh through tractor beaming your own ships even just things that allow you to be where where you want to be um either to block or anything else. And then another thing that lower initiative ships can do uh, to combat this particular one again, um, the Hawk moves here at initiative three. Actually, this is this guy moves here at initiative two, the Hawk takes it. And then this one comes over here, tries to take it away. Uh, lower initiative ships, what you should be trying to do is not come here and take it. It's if you come here, again, if you're coming this way, is you probably want to get ready for offense or defense. Come here and focus up. Yeah, focus, lock, focus or lock, baby. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. But really what, what you should be trying to set yourself up for is being able to come in here or even shoot past it and take it and force the bump because the bump then only allows them to focus. It doesn't allow them to to take the the action claim yeah yeah so blocking becomes really good at preventing them from from capturing or taking away so if, if you have two ships you can have one ship come and claim it and then the other one come for the block and that way you know that is that is actually a great point that i don't think we emphasized that a ship can only perform a scenario action during its activation in the activation phase. No mm -hmm. coordinating, no start of combat actions, nothing like that. Your perform action step. Or I guess technically if you got like a way to perform multiple actions, but it has to be during your activation. Vader can focus and do this. <laughs> yeah, I'm as an example. Vader, I think are the main examples, right? Who have yeah. someone who could bear roll then claim it, right? Mm-hmm. No, fine tunes also. Uh, well, sure, yeah. yeah I don't know than afterburners, though. Yeah, fine tunes, afterburners. I mean, there's a lot of things that allow you to to get close, get far, or take it. Or I think Vader and Paul are the only ones that allow you to take it and then do an action after you take it. Mm -hmm. So um, that has been scramble the transmissions. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, that I want to do in the in the coming weeks, especially as we as we get up to Adepticon, is I know a lot of people right now are list building, lots of list building. I will say, 
one of the uh, the funniest things I've seen in the channel was was, was there was a, there was a conversation going like I saw these scenarios and at first I was mad and then and now I've spent so many hours building lists because people like building lists. <laughs> you know, we got a lot to think about and you know, we talked about initiative let's talk about initiative advantage. In scramble the transmissions we de we decided that higher initiative is better right because you're the last one that could come in you either disrupt somebody or be able to take it yourself the um oh i'm i'm forgetting the names sorry about that the then the salvage mission. with the yes. uh, salvage with the toe action yeah salvage low initiative is money because you're like it's mine i got it before you you're too slow um obviously chance engagement it's anybody's game there. What about assault on the satellite array? Is it a slight advantage to lower initiative for blocking? Yes, you get blocked and utilize your ship base to make a barrier, which will prevent them from getting into range one. Marcel, you disagree. No, I think in chance engagement, it's uh, you're talking about chance engagement, right? No, assault on the satellite array. Oh, assault on the satellite, right? Yeah, um, yeah I think. You know, I, you, you guys are looking at it as initiative, and I think that's just the, the wrong conversation to have. Well, to be it's, frank uh, with you. Marcel, we're taking it piece by piece, brother. I get what you're saying, but it, it's but the wrong conversation to have. What's the conversation to have? What's the conversation? It, the conversation to have is number of ships. That was that what was going value. to next. Not, it doesn't matter ah! if you're high initiative or low initiative. It's the number of ships. Uh, I'm just saying, transitions. I'm just saying, like, yeah, like initiative six. Yeah, is it better to have initiative six? Yeah, of course it's going to be better to have initiative six in most of the scenarios, even the one that you you tow. Because even in the one that you tow, okay, you took your action to claim this, so I'm going to come in with my initiative six po and I'm going to bomb you know, torpedo you and kill you, and now you have no points, and I have points, and I can pick it up next turn. Um, so initiative, it's always better. If you have the choice to go higher initiative, it's always better to get go higher initiative. There might be some advantages, but advantages don't offset the the initiative. I mean, it's it's just like, okay, I have some, you know, blocking. Like, we just I just talked about this one. Like, you can just set up a block, and now they can't claim it. Like, yeah, that's 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 a tactic that you can use to offset the advantage of the higher initiative ships. So higher initiative ships are always going to be better than lower initiative ships in any of these scenarios. Um, even the ones that feel like they don't. It's just you know, two lower initiative ships are better than one higher initiative ship right now. I mean, that's just or two lower point ships are better than one higher point ship right now. That's just I think that's the conversation that if we're being honest with the, you know, with the people listening and we're setting them up to be as successful as possible. Uh, the way that you build a list right now to any of these objectives minus the, the chance engagement, any of the five objective ones is you look for value. You look, where can I get anywhere between five to seven ships with the maximum number of um, uh, loadout points? Uh, like when I build the list, I don't look at at the pilot. I look at, okay, I'm uh, 38, 38, 310, 312. Oh, there's a 312. That's my winner. Three, you know, four, 
421. Oh, that 421, that's my winner. So I'm just trying to maximize the number of ships and the number of loadout points. And within that, that's basically creates a, a salad or it creates an environment where you have enough things. Now, once you get that, there's also ways to tweak it. Again, you you want to look at area denial. You want to have some ions, uh, things in there. You want to have some bombs if you can. You want to have things that have um, repositioning or things that can move fast to capture those those far away. You want to have a five forward. Uh, but again, if you're if you're you're looking at the chassis that wants to do that, you're looking at an A wing that wants that can vectored go forward, capture it, then rotate the arc and shoot forward and be out of dodge with that thing. Yeah, even when you're doing that, you're just looking, okay, I need a chassis that's an A-wing. What's a chassis that's three points and it gives me the most? Or four points and gives me the most? Four points is probably Sabine because that'll get the free evades and that'll stay alive to capture something, run away and do some damage. If you're looking at a three-pointer, you're saying, well, what's a three-pointer that'll that'll give me like the most number of points. Well, it's going to be, uh, what is it? Uh, 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 the one that when you target lock, you can get turn that target lock to like a, like an extra focus, I think it is. I, I forgot what that one's called. I'm not sure. Uh, it's Derek and Charmaine. Uh, there you go, Charmaine. Uh, oh, so Charmaine yeah, so yeah. is the one that at three points gives you the most number of loadout. It's not because she has the best ability. It's just because it gives you the highest loadout points. Right, and, and right. But my, that, my, just, so let me, to, to go, let me to ask go you back, myself. just oh. real quick, timeout. I got to put a timeout. Okay. This, the point that I was trying to raise was not how to build the list. I was simply talking about the playing of the scenario because we're going to save how to build a list for next week. <laughs> but we can uh right, we can we the secret. All right. <laughs> we'll go. That's ahead. the current thought process. The metas will evolve and change as strategies and tactics change. So we got to potentially also discuss things that could stand the test of time. Right. Will, what were you going to say? It was about list building questions. <laughs> Uh, opinions <laughs> people would have, uh, depending yeah. on the scenarios. So, like, um, but if you want to save that for next time, I, do. I can, uh, I can wait. I kind of already know the answers, but I wanted to hear. I think we have to have uh, this I, discussion I, for sure. I know my opinions on it. I will say, I would like to, I would be very interested in knowing everyone else's, though. All right, the last thing I want to do today. Uh, is because what, what we also need to do before Adepticon is uh, I'd love to take in some people's lists and start talking about them, right? Because we've, we've gotten to play a little bit, being able to get some opinions, and I think that will be a great vehicle for talking about what we think is advantageous or disadvantageous in the current list-building segments. Uh, but I would love to hear what is it that you are flying right now that you've enjoyed, what is or, or that's been really good um i'll start so this last friday um last friday last wednesday um i put five aether sprites on the board i put five jedi knights uh, not jedi knight well there they are jedi knights and masters um it was uh the not the 7b versions though the two dice versions the, the aether sprite uh mace luminara mace luminara barris 
Ahsoka, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Those those five. Um, various various loadouts. I, I couldn't tell you the loadouts off the top of my head. But um, being able to be fast seems really good. Fine-tuned controls, being able to go zoom and having three agility um, seems pretty awesome. And having that uh, that nice balance of – because you had Barris at initiative three. Oh, not Barris. Excuse me. You had Ahsoka at initiative three. Gave me some blocking in the in the scenarios that I, that I was able to play. Uh, while I didn't couldn't get down to initiative one, I still had some options. And, of course, you got Obi-Wan uh, uh, you know, tr- trying to be the ace. Not quite six because I couldn't fit Anakin. But I've had, I had, to, I had, had some fun with that one. Marcel? Finding the mute button. Um, I was I was in a timeout. The only put me on a timeout for. I did. I did. Yeah, the... I did. <laughs> I was trying to make uh, a point, and you t- you're like, "Lord, going down this road." Hey, dude, dude, you <laughs> know that. When I, like, 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 when I get when I get excited he's, he's about something, you gotta, you and that's yeah, 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 I'm gonna talk to you about it. Ginger ale, buddy. Ginger ale. Get it right. Um. Anyway, right now what I've been playing the most this week, and I've been enjoying it, is uh, a General Grievous, uh, three bombardment drones, a Bactoid prototype, and Doofus. So it's basically a six-ship CIS um, with, again, General Grievous, four hyenas, and doofus and uh doofus actually comes in with hull and shield upgrade so doofus is just as loaded uh, it's just as as um yeah doofus gets again, you're saying I, doofus you're talking about the, D- the dfs one dfs081 now he spends he gets a one slot though two. No, no he doesn't he gets, he gets two. two he's like 28 yasby says one no yasby mm. is dfs081 cost three Gives you oh, 16 upgrade. Zero eight one. You yeah. say doofus, I always assume Butterbot, aka 311. I no, passed right. This is why yeah. nicknames are bad. Tra- <laughs> yeah, because they're all DFS. They yeah. all are doofuses. That's my yeah. doofus. My doofus has <laughs> six, this, is the, this, this is the no one's ever played till now doofus. No one's ever yeah, played yeah, until yeah. they gave them 16. Loadout points. 16 right. loadout. I, did. I just look at like 16. That's a shield, a hull, and a concussion missile. Like, that is a chunky I know. Uh, that, vulture. Uh, that so. vulture is one of the few ships who was like, do you take a shield upgrade or independent calculations? Like, man, how much is that independent calculations worth no, to you? No, because he can borrow, he can continue to borrow from the, they, he doesn't have to borrow from somebody that has network calculate. He, he just borrows it. It says if a friendly ship Really? So he really? can borrow from really? yeah, it. Says, let me, it says let this. me ask you. Let while me ask you. De- have you been using? So you have bombers with independent says, though, right? While you defend or perform an attack, you may spend one calculate token from a friendly ship at range zero to one to change a focus result to an evade or a hit. Okay. So let me let me ask you. Have you been mm-hmm. using your hyenas independent calculations yes. for this vulture? Yeah. Read, independent, his- read independent calculations. Read it for it. Oh, wait I know. a minute. What does it wrecked. say? What wait does a it minute. Say? 
Am I cheating? It doesn't matter. <laughs> independent cal independent calculation cheating. says you can't share or take from anyone. It doesn't matter. <laughs> These are right, mine. Fine. This is mine. It still doesn't change anything. I, it's still the best ship out there. Okay. And, Stop doing um, that. Stop it. <laughs> uh, no promises. No promises. Wait, all no your hyenas. You have more hyenas, and those have independent calculations, not the single vulture? Yeah. It's got a shield upgrade. I need that shield upgrade over there. <laughs> Let me ask you yeah, this. Have you been yeah. using DFS 081's ability with network calculations? I don't even know what his ability is. I, so this is actually very interesting. His ability... I know. I, crits, people I, read I, I get it. it. I get it. It's his his ability can help nullify those crits with the, ca with the caches. While a friendly ship at 0 to 1 defends, it may spend a calculate token to change all crit results to hit results. All. Yeah. The no, cash I, I know mine. it comes in handy, but no, it hasn't came up yet. Like, it hasn't been useful in any of the games. And I actually don't fly them close enough to be, um, to use it most of the time because uh, my version of Doofus flies in the background because he's got the concussion missiles, so he wants the bombers to be up front dropping bombs, and then he comes in in the back and just uh, takes a target lock. But anyway, uh, cheating aside, I've uh, been having fun with that. <laughs> Love it, love hey, it, love it. If, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. You're not trying. Yeah, of you're course. If you're not trying. reading every card <laughs> that you play, this actually has 33, 33, yeah, 33 cards. I mean, they all have the same words on them. All right, 33 cards. Um, my by the that way, my like the amount you have in a damage deck. True. My suggestion, and I I, uh, I plan on making a separate video about this. The infinite arenas, like uh, custom card builder, is one hundred percent the way to go for a league night, or just printing out the list from Yasby. If if you're not playing in a tournament, fam, don't carry around seven hundred cards. Don't do it. Don't do it. At least I'm not going to. I am freeing you from carrying around 33 cards because I don't want to spend the time to grab 33 cards unless you really need them. But I – or want them. I – I for League Night, I haven't taken a single card with me, and it just saves me time to actually be able to grab my ships and my dials and things like that. So, anyway – so we're going to be taking a look at lists next week. Super excited about it. I got to decide what I'm going to play tomorrow. You forgot Ryan. Ryan. What what what? Oh, I feel sorry. like I've been forgotten twice. <laughs> Never Both the list building thing and the and the last thing. Hit me, hit me. I'll what do the you list enjoy playing? Um, I've been trying some FO stuff. Um, I think they might have some of the best collection of ships to threaten and grab objectives early, while also being very disruptive with uh jam or fire or ooh, ooh pyre so good. Yeah, telling someone after setup, you pick a ship on your opponent's side right. to double stress. <laughs> I, I, what in one game I told a lat that was in the in setup on the far corner to say, well, I think you're double stressed because your blues are straight, and if you want to join the rest of your squad, you have to wait a few turns to start turning in. Okay, oh, I'll take oof. that. Oof, um, that's interesting. So there, there, there are a couple of... things you can do. Uh, you just mm -hmm. obviously. You gotta bring a crew carrier. So figure that I mean it's just the Zai right now, really. So pick a Zai. Right. Um you gotta find value in it though. 
I, I think there are certain lists that make sense to have his eyes, certain lists that don't. It doesn't make its value up back because I think the, the cheapest they can be is four. Um, but I will say on the on back on the front where it dealt with uh, talking, kind of a closing thought, and maybe some people should keep in mind about going forward that's outside of list building with these objectives and scenarios. You need to decide early in your game. Are you going to be proactive or reactive? Are you going to be the person who's dictating the, the pace and how things go by being more aggressive with the objectives? Is that smart? Can you, is your opponent better reactive because they have a wedge with afterburners and proton torpedoes when you decide to be aggressive with your objectives? Mm. Um, or is it better for you to be reactive, see what they do, and be in position to jump and be aggressive later? Those roles can switch throughout the game. Um, I believe uh, in card game terms, it's called be either being the control or the beatdown as well. There's other terminology. It's slightly different from what I'm saying for in terms of reactionary or mm -hmm. uh, proactive, but it's kind of similar different lines of things you're drawn in that instance. Um, so determine that early in your game and uh, start to determine which of your ships can do objective grabbing or better off doing objective grabbing um in my time testing out first order as an example uh malrus fo fighter pretty solid i5 objective grabber for three points when it has glitter stim glitter stim first edition people but that ability to take a stress and say i'm all my focus results are going to turn into su successful results this entire turn mm -hmm. pretty Just solid self protected but also i have revis and i won was a really good early objective grabber, so I got a I got an array now. I like it, I like it, and and don't we'll... forget null. Null is great. Could take null as well. Very high initiative objective grabber. Yeah, null with swarm tactics. Now you got a couple i sevens. That's only Wait, you can take null with null. swarm tactics again. Null cannot take a talent. I didn't think they gave it back. Yes, he does. I think I think they did give it to him. He's, He's got, got so he can take swarm tactics and then oh, you yeah. can pair him up with whirlwind, Sorry. so and cluster missiles or something like that. And then uh, Tim Spangler did that to me. And then basically he's a nice seven. He jams himself, gets rid of the jam at I seven, and then takes a million focuses. Um, yeah. yeah so null, null's sorry, null can take talent, but doesn't have enough loadout points to take squad leader. Let's clarify that. <laughs> yeah. He can um, he can bring somebody no, else up, but he can't coordinate. He yet. can bring someone up to I seven in in engagement though, not activation. So the ship is right. the other ship is still moving at its activation value for initiative. Got it. All right, I got a little worried <laughs> that that initiative seven coordinate. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, I can't. Yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, someone told me Null had talent. I said, uh, does it have enough loadout for Swarm Jack or a, a squad leader? No. Good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Will, what about you? What you been flying? Uh, I've been dipping my toes into different things, but I haven't really liked them as much as uh, what I've been, been calling like budget scum or like discount scum, uh, okay. which is basically all the cheapest platforms you can get. Uh, that's CAD. Uh, he's a point cheaper than every other Fang fighter. Uh, Ahav was a two-point ship, one point less than every other TIE fighter. Nadru, uh, also at two points, value there. Manaru as well, a point cheaper than every other jump master. 
Uh, so it starts there. It starts with the budget uh, buys. Uh, then uh, I've really been enjoying Gamut Key. Uh, there's a beautiful synergy of uh, overtuned modulators, which I really, really have been liking in Scum. That's what keeps bringing me back to Scum. Uh, overtuned modulators, we can get triple calculates in the system phase. Uh, so good for grabbing objectives uh, when you need to spend that action doing something else. Uh, just money. And then, of course, Gamma Key could keep your extra calculates. Uh, or Manaru could pass them off to somebody else uh, if necessary. Uh, but what rounds out the list, the real secret sauce, uh, I've talked about it before, uh, that's Sarasu. I cannot believe a cartel spacer with six loadout points is four squad points. But Sarasu with 18 is five. For one more point, uh, you can get Ion Cannon, Elusive, Hull, and Shield on Sarasu. You can take Afterburner instead of Shield. Um, but that piece is just, uh, man, it is what makes this the secret sauce. Because uh, you can have all the calculates in the world, but if you're not rolling those uh, uh, you know, paint on your greens, it's not very helpful. Uh, Plus the Ion Cannon. I love Ion right now, so I have to have Ion in every list. Mm -hmm. And it's just, oh man, it's just so good. I mean, I just send off Nadrew, and, uh, which is, Nadrew is the one that gets the extra primary dice. Yep. When it's not by his friends. And I'm just like, go off and get the objective. Like, if you could just pull any amount of the enemy's forces towards that objective that you're trying to get, awesome. You're doing your job. If, if they don't pull, if he doesn't pull any forces towards the objective he's going for, great. He will just score some points then uh, without having to do a lot. Uh, same thing with Ahamp. I really like having the two two pointers, uh, whether you're playing like uh, Rebels or Scum. Uh, those, uh, those two pointers are so good um, because they're very disposable. Just like, well, if you can score two points of objectives, you've made up your points worth, right? So it's an easy trade, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, I've really been liking that. Uh, Manaru is, oh man, Manaru has so much value right now. How are people not flying Manaru in every list? So good. Like it, you get punishing one. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you my exact build for it. It's punishing one. Uh, the reroll bot R5P8, uh, mm. overtuned modulators, and because my list does include all uniques, I put Cutthroat on it as well. So the moment somebody dies, you're like, "Well, I don't like that Nadrew. I'm going to kill him." Uh, as long as I can trigger Cutthroat off of it, you can get those overtuned modulators back, receive no penalty, and pop them immediately the next round. Oh man, uh, it's just so good. Like I. Uh, we've been talking a lot about that center objective. Manaru triple calculates with a Sarasu reroll and nine health. That could withstand a barrage uh, in the center objective, at least for a round or two. So I don't know. It's very. It's so. Uh, <laughs> it's it's so inefficient. You know what I mean? Like I'm just taking just like random ships with like no barely any synergies. Right. Right. Um. And because they're just so cheap, it seems to work. 
So that sounds a lot like counting three plus 18 to see what gives you the most value and then ship bonuses are bonus. I mean, ship abilities are bonus. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I mean, I'm sneaking in the Sarasu in there as like a real traditional ace. I guess not really. She's not an ace at all. She's just defensive. Uh, Can't touch this. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Six health uh, on basically four agility. Good luck. Pretty snazzy. Um, now, before we cut off for the day, those of you who stayed around, get a little preview of something. Um, at Adepticon, we're going to be doing some giveaways, of course, on stream for, for those of you who are watching. But for those in person, uh, I was able to get my hands on a Razor Crest. And I also have – I don't have it in hand yet – I also have two, two gauntlet fighters as well. All right, that uh, that will be uh, being given away for those in person uh, who are playing. So super excited about that. What the what? <laughs> okay, so we'll have one Razor Crest. I was only able to get one Razor Crest and two gauntlets uh, being given away. Uh, at Adepticon, for those of you who are playing in person, basically for um, for every for every pod that you play in, for every pod that you play in, you're gonna get a ticket. Uh, there's gonna be some other ways to get it there as well, but uh, but yeah, should be super should be super fun. Uh, I do have an additional one of that. I'm keeping one for myself, by the way. So I will be playing. Uh, <laughs> we'll be playing with it soon, but. Uh, should be a good time, and I'm excited. We have some other giveaways we're going to be announcing for, for the people who are there playing, and, of course, those of you who are uh, are watching at home. So should be good stuff. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we need to tell the people before we call it for the night, friends. I think we're good. Uh, just remind everybody that you can still get onto Adepticon's wait list if you mm -hmm. haven't bought any if you haven't gotten a chance uh, to do it a lot of things have been changing in everyone's lives so uh that there's a lot of fluctuation there get your name on the list just adepticon.org um can they still sign up for the event if they're already registered Dion? so if they have a badge already what askins they have a badge mm -hmm. already for adepticon but didn't buy a ticket you would still join the the wait list i believe after i have to double check that one i haven't checked on okay. that scenario um if let me know if you're the i mean i don't know who 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 is that in that scenario but uh well you may be able to access the um the the ticket site for that but we have we got space we got about 20 what's the black, what's the black market price on on the resale of those of tickets uh, on the rate he, you know he's talking about the the razor crest no 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 on the uh adepticon and uh tournament the black market price yeah like, uh, i don't i don't think you can trade them to people yeah there's the, no it has to be your name i don't know you just have to put a red beard and you look like ryan mm, okay fair enough <laughs> So, so I'm gonna uh, be I'm gonna be sitting yep. there checking everybody in, and, and Marcel's gonna roll up and be like, "My name's Johnny Wonder." I'm gonna be no, 
Get out of my get, get out of my line. What are you doing? Look, luckily, Dion, all of the side events, uh, the duos tournament, mm -hmm. uh, the redemption tournament. Uh, what was the other one? The warm up as yeah. well. Uh, the uh, droids you're looking for side event. Yep. All of those do not require pre-registration. Nope. Just so. show up. Show up, throw ten dollars oh. at my face, and go play. That's essentially what you got to do. Preferably, <laughs> if you're joining one of the more organized events like duos or uh, the warm-up tournament or redemption mm -hmm. tournament, uh, show up a little bit earlier uh, than uh, the start of the tournament. Yes, so, yes, there are there are there are times listed in our event document. Read it. So I got a question. Um... Are you guys going to be streaming just the main event, or is there going to be streams nope. on Thursday I'll be, and I'll be streaming Thursday and Friday. I know I want to get at least uh, a game or two of that new uh, Droid Ball. Um, mm -hmm. What was it actually called? The Droids You're Looking For. The Droids Dro You're Looking Droid For. Ball. <laughs> Droid Ball. Droid <laughs> Ball. Uh, I played a lot of Hot Ball back in the day. Mm. But... Uh, I definitely want to get some games of that. Uh, I think Duos is on Thursday, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. Yeah. So I definitely won't. Uh, uh, I mean, we'll see how that goes. If it's uh, too confusing, um, we might just grab a hangar bay instead. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, no, we'll be doing all the all, as many side events as we can, uh, and up until Friday and Saturday, which will be the main event. Uh, Blackosaur asks, Saturday, is, Sunday. is there some place we can go to see all upcoming in-person X-Wing events? Um, right now in our Discord, we have a, a section that says events that, uh, that, are, that are upcoming. You can check there. Um, I'm updating them as they, as they come. I mean, all in-person events, it's going to be impossible to grab them all. Because, of course, there's always local events. Local events. And, by the way, if you're going to be in the Chicagoland area the weekend before Adepticon, we're putting on a, uh, a four-round. Basically, get to play each scenario once and, uh, and, and get your, get your warm-up on. But that's it for tonight, everybody. Um, we're going to go ahead, call it. We're going to start building some lists and, and prepare for next week. I'm sure we're going to have a lot of people throw lists at us. Um, and I'm excited for that. So thank you for listening, everybody. Be smart. Be safe. Gold Squadron out.